Welcome back to another episode of Capital Solidus Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, James from Skyland Design Studio. And Kyle from Dogwood Woodworks. And today's topic is CNC, bits, and where we've been. First, let's get into what we've been up to. Uh, and we've been off the air for what, almost a month now. Is, I mean, it feels like longer than that. But it has been. Yeah. Uh, we've, uh, we've been so busy. Yeah, so busy. Working on... Everything... Yeah. Our last recording was June 23rd. June, July, August. Yeah, so a little over a month. Yeah. A month and a half. We've, oh, man. Where have I been? I've been everywhere. Um, shows out the ass. I've been running around with my head cut off. You were doing, um, a, thing. You were doing a thing for Queen here recently, weren't you? Yep. Did They came through town, did a show for Queen, um, put in Aladdin the Musical, put in... Uh, dear Brian, dear dear Brian Henson or something. It's I'm not sure it's a musical or I think it is. Put in a few musicals at the Kennedy Center. Um, did a few concerts uh, aside from Queen. Oh, they blur together. I got Sean. Men- I'm working. I'm doing the Sean Mendez tour on Tuesday, followed by the Jonas Brothers on Thursday. Wow, they doing back to back like that? Uh, we got a day in between. But yeah, it's the, last, pretty. it's the last two shows at Capital One Arena um, before break. And then our next stuff isn't happening until like September. They're going to, um, they got to lay down the ice for the hockey. So yes. And is upon us, which we'll start reflecting more into our later shows as we get into deeper in the hockey season. Um, but they put down the ice. Um, I think they're either putting it down in between the shows or it's going to be down like this week because the first preseason hockey game is the 16th of august i double check let me double check but hockey season is starting up dude i love preseason uh season hockey so much better than preseason football it's less disappointing well yeah maybe maybe just because i love hockey so much but it's september 16th september 16th september 16th is the first preseason game and it is against uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. Blackhawks pretty good team. Yeah. But, you know, again, preseason hockey, definitely better than preseason football. Less disappointing. Well, you, you know, it's, you kind of get it to see these guys develop. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're still practicing in the off-seasons off and things like that, but they're not trying to kill each other necessarily in preseason, which is, you know, it gets a little bit more ramped up, but uh, they don't want to get injured, obviously, before the season starts. But you kind of get to see where we are, where we stand, and kind of get a, an assessment of what's going to happen throughout the year. In, the, in football, they're not trying to hurt hurt each other. They're just, it's a more full, I mean, they're, they're both full contact sports, so there's really no, like, defending either sport on how hard they hit during which season, but I don't know. Well, I'm also not saying so much about hurting each other. I'm saying about, you know, protecting themselves, not hurting themselves. Most hockey players, they, when the NHL is done, they go back to their home countries and they play for the national team for a little bit. So they're, they're pretty much conditioned all year round. You know, if they're not, if they're not playing, they're coaching. They, they never leave the sport really. I know when, when it was off season, Oli Kolzig used to coach hockey, and it was like 
not necessarily little league, but like AHL. He would coach AHL in the off season, and I'm not entirely sure where. But and then season would kick back up, and he was back as goalie. So, I mean, this is what we do. You brought up hockey one time, and we went into a tunnel. Yep. Okay, back. Let's get back on track. I've been aside from doing shows i've been prepping the house for baby stuff um we've got the crib built we're starting to throw pieces together uh on how we're going to be doing things getting the small smaller pieces together we've got outfits picked out we've got diapers we got a first batch of diapers um how are you doing the outfits if uh from what I remember, you're not trying to find out what the sex of the baby is. It could be just gender neutral. Neutral outfits. Um, like onesies and things like that. Yeah. Onesies. Blank onesies. Um, Caitlin has gotten these like free coupons from all these baby boxes. And they give you like these gift cards. It's like a nine gift card sheet to different companies. And they give you the lowest one was like thirty bucks, and the highest one was like sixty dollars. And you can spend all the money that's allotted onto the card, and you pay the shipping. And the shipping is like fifteen bucks. And they have pretty good deals. And we did a few custom onesies and 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 other things for the kid, and pacifiers and all that stuff. So we're we're having a little fun with it. And um, we've picked a theme for this kid, and it's going to be. Uh, Harry Potter based. Uh, so we have a. Caitlin has a wood Cheshire drawer that's like way outdated painted and just needs a facelift. And so we're going to paint the outside black and then each drawer is going to get painted something from Harry Potter. So one drawer will be painted like a Gryffindor uh, trunk, one drawer will be painted like a Hufflepuff trunk because she's Hufflepuff and I'm a Gryffindor. And then we're going to paint the four middle drawers to look like the purple night bus. And then the bottom last drawer, we're going to paint brown and put elf ears on it. And it's going to be the, the, the Dolby elf sock drawer. <laughs> uh. So, and then there's a few outfits that we have that are, you know, geared towards Harry Potter and whatnot. And, and, uh, that's pretty much it right now. I think we're going to do a Harry Potter like mobile for over the crib and I'm either going to make it or find the parts to put together and like have like a little lightning bolt, an owl, a broom, uh, a, the sorting hats. Um, snitch. Yep, the golden snitch. Um, and let them hang from the, uh, the mobile. If I could get one that actually played like the song from Harry Potter, that'd be great, but I doubt that's going to happen. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sure that they have them out there. I'm sure. I'll have to look. Um, that's pretty much where I've been at. Um, you've been doing... Um, we were talking... You've been working on a friend's bathroom. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a... That's a big project. It's a small bathroom, but it's a big project. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, it, it, he's on board now, but he was kind of like 
freaking out the first day because he didn't understand everything that went into it. And I tried to explain it to him, but, you know, prior to doing anything, then he just couldn't wrap his head around it until he saw what it was that needed to be done. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory to the to the bathroom. Uh, so his mom's his mom's dad, so his grandfather, um, built this house, and his mom was just a little girl at the time, and uh, so they lived in the basement after this house was built. They lived in the basement. The basement really wasn't like fully finished. They kind of put some things up. You know, it, it looks like it hasn't had a facelift since the fifties, even to today. But uh, they lived in the basement for I think two years while they were fully finishing the upstairs, which was top of the you know, which was high class back in the fifties and sixties. And um, one of the bathrooms, the bathroom that we're working on, uh, she used she told me a story that she remembered she would take a a shower in that bathtub it was a it was a three foot by three foot square tub it was all cast iron and uh she said that she would take a shower in there and she's a little girl and the parents would always yell at her and say you know it's leaking into the basement you need to make sure that you put the shower curtain into the tub and there's two problems with that one even if the shower curtain wasn't in the tub it shouldn't be leaking into the basement the way that she said it was. Yeah. And two, she said, no, I, I, I am. I have been putting the shower curtain into the tub, but they never believed her. And every time she took a shower, it leaked into the basement. So apparently, this thing has been leaking since the 60s. Wow. Yeah, so we went in there and we ripped it all out. And um, it was just... A nightmare. The, all the plywood uh, was cardboard, and uh, the drywall was all messed up. And they tried to do some stuff to it prior to that, and kind of made it a little bit more different, challenging for you know now. But it's all coming together. And uh, so we so we ripped this cast iron tub out, which is about 450 pounds, and uh, and I had to cut all the dry, uh, all the plywood out of the floor. I had to remove. They put all the different layers of stuff on the floor. Apparently it had tile on it at one time and they just chipped it away. And then, uh, they laid down quarter inch underlayment and then put linoleum on top of that at one point. And we ripped all that out. And, uh, it's really kind of interesting to see the, the different layers of even with the paints, you know, you can see all the layers and see the history and how, it, how it was. But, um, so it's just, it's just been, a, it's been a big job. Um, at this point in time, uh, I've already done the plumbing minus the drain because he had to order the shower and I didn't know where the drain was going to be. So I just completely covered the floor and I'm going to put the hole where the, where the drain needs to go. And I have full access to it in the basement. Uh, I've done all the, the copper pipe plumbing in the walls. Uh, I had to cut all that out and redo it because it used to have a, uh, um, the spout at the bottom to fill up a tub and that, and now it's going to be a shower. So there's no need for that. And the handle to turn it on was really low, pretty much like you could sit in the tub and turn it on. Like you didn't have to reach anywhere, but if you're in a shower, you don't want to bend all the way down to the, almost to the damn floor to turn the shower on. So I moved that, uh, mixing valve up to a normal level. And then, uh, so we did all that. 
and now it's starting to go back together. And I think that we we allotted time for one more week, but I didn't really know what I was getting into when I got there. And uh, so I think it's going to be another probably two more weekends. And uh, so I'm off this weekend. And then, uh, you know, I just go back to regular work next week. And then I'll go back out to his house, uh, his mom's house, the next weekend. So, anyways, that's what I've been up to uh, as work-wise. Uh, yeah. um, but it just to show you that we are more than just woodworkers. Obviously, you had to redo an entire bathroom and that's not just woodwork that's that's a whole different ball field um apparently we are multi-talented people um i sent you photos um because i don't know if you saw it or not uh the finished table because i know we talked about this table that i got from my mother that i was refinishing the the teak table i did not see this picture this thing looks awesome it took a full week to get that table um so I was also using um, a very vintage uh, sander. And by vintage, I mean this thing is older than you and I. Um, this thing had to have been like 60 years old. Craftsman made it, um, and it still runs. And I didn't want to go out and buy another one because uh, I didn't have the money at the time because I was putting you know, stuff for babies, stuff for wedding, all that stuff. I didn't have time to go out and buy another one or spend the money to buy another one. And so I used it. it. took me two hours, two and a half hours to sand the table down. I cleaned it and then I just started laying teak oil. You know, first one, every 24 hours I'd check it. Once it was dry, I'd lay it next layer. So every day for a week, I put a layer of teak oil on this thing to get that shine and then i protected it i know you're not you, you can can't but i put a light layer of poly on it to protect it even more to uh for scratches james you there yeah sorry yeah i'm here <clears throat> i'm on daddy daddy detail I think it turned out great. And we had to drive it back down to Richmond. Oh, so you're not keeping that table. That that table was being replaced. Yeah. No, I'm taking it. I, I gave it back to my mother. Um, and uh, I get it when she dies. I already made, made that claim. I'm going to reclaim it when she's left this world. And that's hopefully for a good long while. Yeah. We'll, we'll build you a new table. Let's keep your mom around. I mean, I have my own dining room table, but you know, this is this this table's been in our family for forever. It belonged to my dad's mom when my dad's mom passed away. My mom got it, and then they separated, and she got to keep the table because dad didn't want to take it with him to Florida. So she got it. I finished it, and I'm getting it back when it's done. And keep it, we're going to keep it in the family as long as we can. Yeah. So that that brings up a good question uh, that I actually had to look up because I didn't know if you could or not. Apparently, with teak oil, um, once it's cured, you can go over it with an oil-based polyurethane. So I did not know that. Also, when working with teak, you don't use uh, 
one, you don't want to use an orbital. You want to use a more vibrating, like, palm sander type deal. And you don't start at 60 grit because it will just tear the teak apart. You want to start 220 or higher. Like, I started with 220 to strip off all the old varnish and all that stuff. And then I hit it with 400 to get it nice and smooth and whatnot and bring up a nice pre-finish. And then I cleaned it with mineral spirits, get all the salad dust off. And, and that's one of the photos I think I sent you is pre-oil. And and then I oiled it with the teak oil and, and uh, just laid it on <laughs> one layer at a time because it didn't like... That sucker sucked in oil. Let's just put that way. Yeah, I actually didn't realize you sent me multiple pictures. Uh, I I was looking at the finished product. Yeah, this thing is it looks great. Uh, did you post pictures of this, or are you going to look at the first one of the photos? It's like the bare wood. Well, not complete bare wood, but it's like it's got the stripes where the vertical grain is. And the belt sander, or and, and the sander is laying on yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to have one of these a long time ago. So that, the, the, where the the non-sanded part, that's what the table looked like when I got it, minus the sanding. It's, uh, it's kind of rough. And then obviously, if you look in the photos down, it's completely sanded, cleaned, and then finished. Um, I like the natural look of that too. Didn't stain it. Oh yeah, just the just the cleaning with after it being cleaned looked really nice. But once you put once you re put the oil in there, oh my god, that it, table looks very sturdy. So I had to tighten down the legs. Um, she was wondering why it was wobbly. She never tightens the legs. She's like, "Can you fix the legs? Can we stabilize the legs?" Yeah, I'll tighten the nuts that hold them onto the table. And that'll happen sometimes when you have real wood tables. Uh, the the expansion and contraction, uh, you might have a it might be pretty sturdy one week and then be a little bit wobbly. You just have to make sure that your all your legs are tightened down. And, and it's it, each leg is held on with a single nine sixteen bolt and nut. A single one? Yeah, just one one peg per leg, one bolt per leg. Huh, dude. Like I said, this table was built back. Probably in like the 40s. Yeah. Well, it really is. It, it truly is a beautiful table. I'm proud of it. My mom loves it. Um, there's definitely a process. Yeah. You did a great job. You did a great job. Thanks. So, uh, as for me and woodworking, uh, I've kind of been on a hiatus and uh, mine was deliberate. It wasn't, you know, obviously, I'm doing the bathroom. We talked about that. Um, and that's me helping out a friend. That's uh, so the reason why I'm doing that. Uh, I took a hiatus, kind of work on myself, which I guess you have to do sometimes. Um, I was really just stretching myself pretty thin, uh, and I had let myself go after the military. So I just uh, I decided to unplug from uh, not so much social media. Like I'm still there. I'm still looking. I'm still learning. I'm still watching videos. I'm still tinkering, but I'm not posting a lot and and i will get back to that um but i've been working on my personal health now i wasn't i wasn't sick so nobody worry about that it wasn't i I was sick of being tired 
I was sick and tired of being tired. Like I, I, you know, I had let myself go. I was out of shape and things like that. So I've been working out uh, a really good amount and uh, just taking taking a moment to step back and take care of myself. So that's really where I've been. That I mean, I'm trying to get down to a little bit of a better shape before the wedding. So I've definitely been trying to eat a little bit healthier. Uh, Remind me when that is your the wedding. June thirteenth. June thirteenth, right around the corner, man. We have we have plenty of time. Oh yeah, we have plenty of time. So definitely trying to eat a little bit more salads, cutting down on the carbs. So yeah, we're getting there. I'm feeling. I mean, with running around and doing all the work and 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 whatnot, I've definitely had my days when I've woken up going, oh, I haven't slept enough. I just there's days I haven't felt recharged. <laughs> Even after like having a day off and just sleeping for like twelve hours. Sure. Yeah, it'll sneak up on you. Dude, I got I picked up my buddy from the airport and we went and had dinner and I had a beer. Well, mind you, it was a twenty two ounce beer, but I had a beer and I woke up the next morning all day. Felt like I was hungover. And I was at work. I never have that type of feeling after a beer. That's how tired I was. This a, a single twenty two ounce beer made me feel felt hungover all day. Wow. I haven't had a beer in uh, two, three months. Uh, I put I put some time in between beers. I mean, I I have a case in the, the fridge, but like, I don't drink every day. Um, well, I had one the other night. Actually, I've had a few this week, but because I'm out to dinner with friends, uh, my buddy we we cooked dinner after working on Caitlin's car, and our buddy had brought us back. 15 year old vintage Aquadente, which is a fortified wine from Portugal. Oh my God, so delicious. And that's not even beer, that's just liquor. <laughs> I bet. But, but no. so, I mean, I get catches up, us up for most things. But let's talk about CNC's. Um, yeah, let's do that. It really, I guess, it depends on your budget, your need, what you're trying to accomplish, your space, your power. Yeah. How much power do you have, you know, or how much money do you have? That's the big one. Uh, so over the years, uh, CNCs have come down in price tremendously. However, comma. There are some options out there that are way beyond the average person's budget, and that's really who I believe that we're talking to. Um, yeah, we're aiming towards the the hobby woodworker, such as yourself and I, not like the guys who make cabinets all the time. Yeah. So, what is a CNC? Let's start out with that. If you don't know what a CNC is, uh, a CNC stands for Computer Numeric Control, uh, which sounds super technical. Really what it is, it's a machine that runs a router and it cuts a design that you design on the computer. That's really what it is. Uh, There's many different types that you can have. Uh, You can have um, certain CNCs will only do X, Y, and Z carvings, which is... uh, 
you know, it, it moves up and down and moves left and right, moves forward and backwards. And that's really all it does. And then you have some that will actually cut uh, in 3D shapes where it'll it takes a lot longer, but it uh, it'll cut on a slope downhill and you can actually carve out a 3D design, almost like a 3D printer, except for instead of building it up, you're taking a, a chunk of material down. And that's uh, so th- in my in my own words, that's what a CNC is. Do you have a different definition no I'm, I'm that's pretty much right along the lines of what a cnc machine is you know we have so many out there um and in the way that they're operated because it is a computer controlled machines i've you know across the spectrum some are used with you know i run mine with a laptop um i know you run yours with a laptop but there's some out there that you send an image just to a screen via uh, a USB stick um, or it's pre-programmed and then send a file to a, a computer no matter one way or another um, and it cuts the machine it you know it cuts the the cuts the wood or whatever material you're using um, CNC's aren't just based for wood you can use them for laser engraving and what else aluminum wood plastics yeah i mean for the for the you hit it for the most part um there are cncs that uh are for they they hold instead of holding a router they'll hold like a plasma cutter and then they can cut out you know parts for even strong yeah yeah your plasma cncs you're cutting out metal. You're yeah. Aluminum. Yeah, I know aluminum's a metal, but you're you're cutting steel. And those plasma cutters, they're they're blasting through. And they're it's not really cutting away. I mean, it's cutting, but it's not really. Uh, it's hard to explain this one. I shouldn't have brought this up. So so instead of so instead of having a router with a bit that's spinning around and removing a layer at a time. Uh, a plasma cutter is using a plasma cutter, um, and it's pretty much touching the metal, and it's running around the perimeter of your shape, and it's just like a plasma cutter would uh, if you were just using it handheld. This one's just a little bit more, not a little bit more, it's a lot more accurate and repeatable. Yeah, you're cutting out gears or any sh- like complete shape. Yeah, so the average woodworker is going to be using a three-axis CNC router, um, and then you have like the five-axis, which is kind of what we're getting at and what we were going with. And you have the the five-axis will have, um, like, if you're trying to engrave or laser etch into a a cup or something like that. Uh, I believe uh, I believe the guy's name is Chad from uh, Mancrafting. He has one. And he'll put his his mugs and things like that on that CNC, and he'll laser etch, and the cup spins. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah. yeah. So the cup will spin as the CNC is doing its like X, X Y and Z. That's cool. Yeah. Sorry about that. My dogs are crazy. And the other thing, you know, and you you may see people may see this on Instagram or whatnot, but is the uh, it's the Glowforge, um, which is yeah. basically just a laser engraver, not necessarily a CNC machine, 
Um, I mean, I guess you could use it as a type of CNC machine because you can laser cut out shapes for like puzzles and stuff. Yeah, and it's it's very accurate. And with a laser, it's you're have you have left less of a kerf. So when you cut with a with a bit, you're cutting with a you know maybe an eighth inch bit, thirty sec thirty second. Uh, they have smaller bits than that, but you can't really go through thick materials. Um, and with a laser like the Glowforge, um, you don't have that that kerf of the bit because it's a fine laser. So you can actually cut out all your puzzle pieces um, where they sit, and then they'll fit right directly yeah, there. They'll fit back perfectly. So let's, I mean, let's, before we get into like more major aspects of, you know, Obviously, we talked about what a CNC machine is, but let's go over some of the brands. You have the Carbide 3D Shapeoko 3XL. I do. Uh, well, 2X. It's it's the XXL. You have the three. It's the Shapeoko three. Right. Double XL. Correct. And that has what a pretty. De- oh, was my window for that one? Damn it. Um. So from from memory, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. From memory, my. My footprint is 40 by 40, but I think my, my cutting area is like 33 by 33, something, something along those lines. 33 by 33, but your footprint is 45 with 40 and a half length and 16th in height, 16 inches. Right. And your, the starting value for that one, um, and this is for the Shape Oko double XL, is 1820. Yeah, and it's a it's a very robust machine for the price, <clears throat> and even even at that price, you know, I was still at skeptical. I was like, eh, do I want to spend the money? You know, because I'm not, you know, I don't have just eighteen hundred dollars laying around, but I got mine on Black Friday, it's a couple like a year ago, a little over a year ago, two years ago, um, and it just really opened up a lot of doors for me to do certain things, and. Um, yeah, so if you can get it, you can find a good deal, or find one used. Uh, you can buy the individual parts of maybe if something's broken, if you can get it for a considerable amount cheaper. But the Shapeoko for me is a it was a great buy. Um, very easy to to learn, very easy to assemble, um, and things along that line. But I could only speak to the Shapeoko because it's the only one I've ever used, the only one I've ever had. So. Some of the details for the shape Oko. It comes partially assembled, and you can build it in about an hour. I don't know how long it took you. But you're that's just... that is a lie. I don't know where they came up with that number. Maybe maybe if you had four people who knew what they were doing, but if you uh, that's a stretch. I would say it took me probably four four hours, um, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, about about four hours to get it built, and uh. That's not including the time that you have to uh, build a table for it, because obviously it doesn't come with the table. So you have to calculate that time into it as well. So I, I would expect you to spend uh, pretty much an entire day, uh, or or day and a half, uh, building a table. Unless you know, my table is very rough, but it's it does the job. That's all I wanted it to do. It's very sturdy. And um, but day. you have to calculate all that in. You're using the the Dewalt DP DWP six eleven router. That's w, correct. Also the same router I use, but you could also use the Makita RT zero seven zero one C router as the spindle. Um, That's right. This runs on your basic house electric 
110 volts or 220 volts electricity. Correct. So, and you can run it off a PC or a Mac. And so, for the base price, it's uh, pretty damn good. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I uh, I don't know if I... I think I probably made the best decision in that one. I don't think I would have chose anywhere, you know, chose another brand or company. And the only reason that I went with the DeWalt router is because I have everything else in my shop is DeWalt for the most part. And um, so that's the only reason I chose that. But, you know, if you have a preference on Makita, those are like add-on pieces that you can add. I mean, obviously you have to have a router, but... Uh, whichever brand you want, yeah, it's the one you can get. So, uh, so you went with the Shaboko, Shape Oko. I went with the X Carve. Uh, the it's made by Inventables. It's I went with their mid grade machine. I went with the 750 by 750. And so my workspace, and we'll break it down by inches. Um, <laughs> my cut. Cutting area is 500 millimeter by 500 millimeter, which is roughly like 23 inches by 23, 23, 24, give or take. Um, I try not to push it to its limits. Um, and my footprint is 750 millimeter by 750 millimeter um, with a 65 millimeter uh, Z-axis height, which is roughly the same size as... Uh, your machine, give or take, in height, but not uh, rails. Like yours is definitely, you got the bigger model than I did. And, you know, for uh, for the average woodworker, um, that would be perfectly fine. The only reason I went with the bigger one was if there was a chance that I wanted to cut something bigger, uh, I just wanted to go ahead and have it on hand. But it's not often that I'm actually using that much X and Y axis. So if you don't have the, uh, if if you don't plan on cutting anything that big, then just go with the the smaller version of either the X Carve or the Shapeoko or whatever brand model you want. Um, I just wanted it in case I I would rather have it not need it than need it not have it. You know what I mean? Most most of us are, and mine runs off the same. DeWalt router. Ours are pretty much 100% the same, except that your bot, your your rails look a little bit different than mine. Your controller box looks a little bit different than mine. But we run the same router. Your software is different. You you use VCarve. I mean, I guess we both use VCarve, but you use the Carbide 3D software or Vetric or Vetric works. Yeah. So we, so the. These both these programs or both these CNCs come with its own proprietary programs and um, proprietary 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 right. proprietary programs. Um, it's a free program. Um, it doesn't have uh, a lot of. It, it's great for the average person to learn on. I definitely used it to learn on. And there were times where I was like, why is it doing this? This doesn't make sense to me. And why is it doing that? You know, that doesn't make sense to me. And I asked a bunch of questions and come to find out there's no reason why. It just does it. And it does it makes it inefficient on its cutting. 
and uh, you know, so it would make a cut on the far left-hand side of this board, and then it would jump up and run all the way to the other side, and then it would do something over there. And I'm like, that was like eight seconds for it to get get up and go over there. Like, why did it do that? And um, the easiest path. It's it it really wasn't. So, and then I found out it has something to do with the programming. And uh, so I, when I asked those questions, uh, I went ahead and I, I purchased uh, VCarve, which VCarve um, is a program made by Aspire, and you can use that program for many, 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 many different machines um, because they all put out a little bit different code, yeah. and uh, to to operate the machine that you're working on. And I don't think that there's really any that it can't work on, especially for the average person. Um, that one is a little pricey though. That one can get up to about two grand just for the software alone. And, um, but it, it's so much faster. There's so much more, uh, customized things you can do. Um, the tool library is a little bit better. Um, but it's, it, it is it, the, the biggest part of it is that it's faster to use, um, when you're cutting stuff and, and if you are working on a production, like a, a, a bunch of things in your shop, um, you also want to trust that I'm going to set this and I can walk away. Don't walk too far away, but walk away from the CNC machine, which is rarely happens. Uh, you kind of like you get mesmerized by and you want to watch it, but you want to be able to trust that you put the, put the program to go the machine starts running and you can work on other things within the shop while that's cutting and you can keep yourself moving because if you're waiting on a part, then you kind of like you get sidetracked to other things, especially me with ADD. Um, yeah. So that's why I did that, but that's not, that's, that's a software thing. Not, not necessary if you can't, can't afford it or, or whatnot or, get the machine first and then if you decide that you wanted to go change the software later on then that's something you could do later but you will have the software that comes with both of these machines that you can run out of the box after you get it built start cutting oh yeah and uh so i mean the software is relatively easy it's it's very simple basic software and again if you want to do something a little bit different you know that's you know you'll learn so another machine um this one this actually jumps up, and and uh, my price tag was the same as your price tag. It was between the fifteen hundred and eighteen hundred dollar range. I spent a little bit more to get the ex, you know, certain certain better components. So I spent a little bit more money. Um, but we're gonna jump to another machine where it basically just kind of blows both of our machines in, in price range gone. You know, this one is the CNC Shark HD4 with the two horsepower water cooled spindle. CNC machine from Rockler. Um, actually, I believe it's by Piranha, but Rockler sells it. And this thing is just shy of $5,000. Um, it looks really nice. Um, and it's multi access. James. Yeah. All right, you get quiet. I don't know what happens. I don't. Is your mic cutting in and out? No, I have to mute the. I have to mute the mic every once in a while because I have an army full of children. So I I mute the mic just to make sure that we're not having a lot of background noise. Yeah. I mean, this machine looks really nice. Um, if you've got five grand to spend. Um. Yeah, I mean, and that one there, I still think is 
would qualify as a hobbyist woodworker or if you have a small business. Uh, but even with the ones that we were talking about that we own, you can run those as a small business. And uh, there was uh, talk, like we, my wife and I had uh, discussed possibly getting an additional CNC machine, um, the same one that would go right next to it so we could production line a few products. Um, so anyways, that's, that's the talk. And I can get two CNCs for the price of that one that he's talking about there. And I wouldn't have to buy the software again. I already bought the software, so I can use it on the other one. Since I'm using it within the same business, one, <coughs> it runs off the same type of like router, but it uh, this table dimensions and overall dimensions ours are better. Ours are actually still bigger. Um, like we're comparing penis size here. Um, no, our machines are actually relatively a little bit bigger with a workspace than this machine other than that i think this one's made in america could be well, um, mine's, mine's made in america this is made in america i don't think mine was it could have been um mine is made by so so the guy who invented quote-unquote uh shapoko he used to work for inventables i believe he used to work for xcarve and then he branched out and went and made his own uh, and I think that his, uh, I don't, I had to read his bio, but I'm pretty sure his goal was to make like the average persons that they can buy, but a, a robust unit. And, um, so they're, they're like assembled in like Illinois, like a lot of the parts come from California, like the control boards and things like that. And then they're like assembled in Illinois and then they're shipped all over the place. So yeah, mine's fully made here in America. Yeah. That, that was one of the selling points. Okay. Your machine and my machine look very similar, but they're you know your rails are a little bit different. Your your overall setup is a little bit more different than mine, but very similar in shape and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So. But I mean, you can go from what we have as the hobby woodworker, and you can go into the more production line, uh, larger units. Uh, and there is a another YouTuber. Uh, Instagrammer, whatever. Uh, she's a big time uh, by the name of April Wilkerson, and she is sponsored by uh, Laguna. Oh my God! If I had the money for their machines, well, so yeah. I, I, even though I, I would love to have one, I don't have the footprint for it because she has a four by eight. That's a full sheet of plywood uh, that's laying down in your shop. That's and that's only the cutting surface. That's not the uh, the extra probably two to three feet sticking out from the sides, running that uh, that rail back and forth. Or the the unit itself has a uh, has a control box that feeds all the power because it takes an extreme amount of power. Um, but those like the smallest one, which is a four. Well, not the smallest one, but uh, in this series, uh, which is the Swift series. Uh, the smallest one is a four by four, and that one starts at like th- almost fourteen grand, thirteen thousand six forty-five, and then they go all the way up to a uh, Swift MT, which is a um, it's four by four by four by eight, and they have a five by ten version, and those start at like fifty-three thousand dollars. So. That's not even what we're talking about. That's not even in my horizons of things I'm going to get. Up six and a half feet by ten feet. 
that's the machine footprint. It's six feet three inches, and by ten feet. But my Perfect. my V carve my V carve Aspire program would operate this machine too. So. So, and it's just it's a whole lot more. And again, if you've got seventeen thousand um, dollars, yeah, get this machine. Yeah, and then let me borrow it. Let me come over and use it. So, so I'm I'm sure this one cuts very quickly. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not producing this much uh, stuff to. I'm reading. This is their tagline for the Swift series for the four by eight furniture, rapid prototyping, budget friendly. Has a budget of seventeen thousand. I mean, obviously you could pay this thing off by month, but I mean, you're practically buying a car if you're buying the four by eight. Yeah, and then the fifty-three thousand, you're buying a very nice car. Yeah, you're buying like the Ford Raptor of machines. Yeah. Anyways, so that kind of gives you an idea, and, and I'm sure that they go much much higher than this, uh, but that gives you an idea of the range that you can get. And I think you can get some like uh, some knockoff versions for a lot cheaper. You can get a they have desktop versions where you can have. Um, so okay, this is a, another company. It's called Shopbot. Yeah, Shopbot, uh, Shopbot is. I did some research while we were pre-setting up the show. The Shopbot has a desktop, and this thing does not look like a desktop um, in size. It is 36 inches by 24 inches by 6 inches tall. And that's not counting the height of the rail, the, the Z-axis rail. 10 grand. Ouch. And that's, sorry, that's 10 grand with a universal vacuum and hold down neck. So take off, a, take off $800 for just the whole setup which which is a good uh, a good point that you brought up uh my unit and i don't think yours either my unit does not come with dust collection uh it comes set up to where you can add dust collection uh but it, it can tie into what you have there's an attachment um that it's a hood that you put around your router and then you can plug it into your existing dust collection so you have some flexibility with that but um, it does not come out of the box with that. And depending on the type of materials that you're cutting, or actually if you're cutting anything, you really should be using dust collection. But I, when I built my table, I, I went through the process of building a, a waste board, and I was cutting um, uh, MDF. And then I used that to, uh, to cut all the holes, and then I used it to flatten the board. And um, it made such a mess. And I think I was sick for like a week after that because I have a air filtration system in my shop, but it was nowhere near going to catch up with the amount of MDF. So you, your health is also a priority in all this, and you really should look into getting a dust collector set up for your CNC machine, even if it's just a shop vac that hooks to the attachment that will suck up as much as it possibly can. Um, but it will put it in the air uh, pretty bad. And the you don't want that. You don't want to be breathing all that in. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's really what I need to do is get some dust collection for mine. Um, I haven't really used it um, lately. 
but that's also because I've been busy. Um, so another one of the machines, and he, I, I've seen this guy on Instagram, is Bob's CNC. You can sign, you can find his on Instagram, and you can find him on, you can find the machine on Amazon. And it looks nice. It's less than a thousand dollars. It just doesn't look rigid enough to really kind of hold up to what we do mainly because it looks like it's all built out of wood sorry sorry i was muted again um, yeah so there uh there are there, there's there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of manufacturers out there that make cncs um but with all of that uh, investment that you've already put into your CNC, you've you've built the table, you've purchased the, the the unit, you've waited for it to show up, you've built it, you've had to learn the programming. Now you're getting ready to cut. So when you're getting ready to cut, you have to get the bits for it as well. Yeah. Um, and that's really kind of like. That is another lesson on its own, and we're going to try to kind of give you a rundown on some of the bits that we use, uh, the more common bits, because uh, having a wide variety is great, but really just having a few of the different ones to at least get started with um, is would be nice. You know, I, I own probably 20 bits, roughly. And uh, they're not one-time use or anything like that. So as long as you can get the correct ones, uh, you can really make uh, a wide variety of things. And there are a few specialty bits that you will need, uh, if you know, depending on what you're trying to make. So we're going to try to go over some of that here now. Um, uh, you definitely need a uh, like a fine detailer. So that's like the one thirty-second. I don't have all my bits and bits catalogs in front of me. Um, <laughs> not the, the catalog for the company bits and bits, but just like what bits I use. Um. Yeah, so bits and bits uh, is the is a company that I use. Um, and they're not the only company out there. Uh, so don't take this as a an advertisement. Um, but bits and bits is the company that I use. Um, and depending on the router that you have. So if, for my setup, my setup out of the box requires uh, quarter inch bits unless you change the collet on the router uh, and you can use uh, eighth inch uh, shanks. So, but for mine, I use the quarter inch shank and uh, that's probably the most common that you're going to find out there. And um, they make, you know, two flute down cuts and mills you know we should probably have a a um another episode talking about bits because there are so many different types and also depending on the material that you're using um but there are uh you know you have the you have two flute three flute down cut up cut um engravings you have flattening bits you have yeah, you have your your finishing bits, but you have your, um, 
your V card bits, you have 60 degrees, you have 90 degrees, you have 30 degrees, you have all the different ones that you can use depending on on the really what you're looking at trying to get out of your project. They have uh, there's there's diamond engraving tools. Um, there's aluminum that there's bits designed strictly uh, specifically for aluminum. They have bits for wax milling. And I mean, it can go on and on and on and on and on. I have a bit just for planing a surface flat. That's what I use when I need to say take off a few, you know, if I need to, you know, take the roughness off the top piece of like a guitar uh, and to get everything down to the right size. You know, I definitely have one of those bits and it's, it looks like a tiny, tiny boat prop. And it just basically lawn mowers the, uh, the wood to its right thickness. So you're definitely going to need various types of you're doing stuff like this. Yeah. I mean, and when it comes to bits, one bit can range from, you know, $6, which is not going to, huh? To $60. Uh, $60. It's not even more. Yeah. $6 to like $200. You know, there's depending on what you're doing, but you also need to, to understand the capabilities and the restrictions of your unit that you have. Um, because the the larger bits require a more robust router, um, even if it will hold it in the unit. If you're running it for a long period of time, will put a sh- uh, an extreme amount of stress on your router, or even on the uh, the axis that you're trying to drag. So that's that's a, you can you can kind of fix that with some of the uh, the parameters that you have uh when you're running the machine because you have what's called a feed and speed rate and that's also going to pertain to the bit that you're using um you have a you have a plunge rate you have a the there's so many different things that you can know about cncs and there's many different uh youtubers out there that will walk you through all these things um in depth but even if you watch 10 videos you're only going to scratch the surface of what it is, you know, what you're doing. Um, so a lot of it is learning on the fly, uh, knowing what your unit can do. Um, and then the material that you're cutting, uh, if you're cutting pine versus cutting walnut or cutting pine versus ash, um, you know, the bit that you use, the speed that you used, um, there's so many variables that it's really hard to explain it in one episode. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to touch back on doing, uh, multiple things like this because it really is a multifaceted area of what we do for CNCs. You know, to get into it in just one episode, yeah, we're not going to cover everything you're going to want to know in the first episode. So we'll, we'll definitely touch back on this again. Um, and maybe we'll get someone who... Maybe not necessarily has more experience with us, but maybe has a different personal view on this type of CM, you know, using CNC. You know, we'll see who's willing to talk to us and share their experiences and see where it differs from ours. Yeah, so let's, uh, I'm going to put this out there. So 
if you have any questions pertaining to the CNC specifically, because there's so many things that we can hit and we still won't hit everything. Um, at, we can do 50 episodes and we still won't hit everything. Um, so if you have a specific question that we can answer, uh, send, us a, send us a DM or uh, I will put up a, a, uh, a post onto the Capital Sawdust podcast Instagram page. And you can put your questions underneath that um, and, and we will answer those um, over the next few episodes, you know, maybe one or two here or until we have a CNC specific um, episode where we have, you know, maybe uh, the guy from Run CNC or maybe we can get Bob CNC on online. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do, see who we can get on here. Um, but if you have uh, a CNC specific question, uh, post it on there and we'll get to it. So before we sign off, um, let's tell them what's happening on our next episode. Yeah, go Talk. for it. Uh, well, you're the one that kind of set this up, but uh, I think we're going to go into talking about dovetails. And James has talked to the gentleman's name is Cam. Uh, you know his Instagram better than I do. Um, who's basically become a hit sensation with making dovetails. And we're going to kind of talk to him and kind of pick his brain on it. Yeah, so I sent him a message. Um... And I'm waiting to hear back from him to see if we're going to have him on the next episode. So it might not be on the next one, but it will be on one coming up very soon. Uh, and we're going to save the dovetail episode until that. So if it is on the next one, then surprise, we got him on here. Uh, but if not, then we're going to move on to another episode and we'll come back to that one. So Wait, definitely, you know, we still need to get Paul Jackman on the show. Uh, we've been busy. I think all of us have been busy. I know he's been doing his own thing he was overseas you know we were doing our things um so hopefully within the next few episodes or next few months we'll try to get paul on and pick his brain about using pallet wood and some of the crazy things he does with the materials he uses um so and then uh we're going to try to get a few more vets on. I know we, we had one episode with one vet. Um, so we're going to try to get some more on. Because we've definitely been talking to some veterans who would love to talk about how woodworking has helped them. So bear with us. I know we're going to have sporadic bursts of episodes here and there. Um, that's because life gets in the way. Yep. So this has been a uh, this has been a great episode, uh, at least I think, and uh, probably one of our shorter episodes. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but you know, just like we were talking about before, life gets in the way, and and I have a bunch of things I need to get taken care of, and I'm I'm sure that you do as well. Um, so we will try to make this more frequent. Back to our original promise of once a week. Um, but you know, obviously bear with us as we try to get our schedules cl to click because, you know, Kyle's busy and then I'm busy and then Kyle's available and I'm busy and then I'm, I'm available and he's busy. So, uh, and then we also have to worry about trying to get the, ho uh, the guest host, um, on board. So guest host, it takes, you know, we got to, you know, coordinate with them and not everything always lines up where, oh, we're all available at the same time. 
So. So I think that we're going to uh, to leave it off here, um, and then we will talk to you guys soon. So as always, I'm your host James with, Cap- uh, with Skyland Design Studio, and I'm, I'm Kyle from Dogwood Woodworks. Have a wonderful week and having a wonderful weekend. This show will air on Friday. All right, take care, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Capital Software Podcast. As always, we're your hosts, James from Skyland Design Studio. Kyle from Dogwood Woodworks, and today's topic is CNC bits and where we've been. First, let's start get into with what we've. Oh, god damn it! 